at the end of the day, I was completely focused on my own happiness and also eliminating those preconceived notions of what you're supposed to do in life. Yes. A lot of people are told you have to go to college, you have to get a job, you have to work that job until you can get a mortgage, until you can get married, and then you save for retirement and that's the end of your life. Founders of No Baked Cookie Dough, Megan and Jimmy Feeman, are young, bucket list career rock stars. Megan's been honored in Nashville's 30 Under 30 class of 2019. Among winning other entrepreneurial awards, she left the country music business to start selling her wildly popular cookie dough, the dessert she concocted in her own kitchen, and her husband Jimmy jumped on board with his business background. It began as an online store with pop-up shops at local events, followed by scoop shops and franchise locations. Now, No Baked is a booming e-commerce operation, shipping cookie dough all across the U.S. Megan and Jimmy gave me a lot of digital marketing do's and don'ts in this one. And if you're thinking about launching your business, this episode offers a true roadmap for growth. Let's listen. Megan and Jimmy Feeman of No Baked Cookie Dough, welcome to Bucketless Careers. It's great to have you. Thanks for having us, Krista. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I feel lucky to grab you the day after 4th of July. You guys are in Wyoming right now having a little getaway, which you clearly deserve. I love having husband-wife entrepreneurial teams on the show and learning from your dynamic as a couple, but also your individual stories and journey. So Megan, I want to start with you. You're the founder and CEO of the company. You came up with this safe-to-eat, bakeable cookie dough concept. You left the country music industry to do it. This is what our show is about, turning your passion into your profession. So congrats to you. Let's start with your backstory. Yeah, so I moved to Nashville in 2012 to go to college at Belmont University because I wanted to work in the country music industry. I thought I wanted to go into artist management and work directly with the artists and I went to school for music business because of that. It was just the simplest, most straightforward path to begin that career. So Belmont University has a really great program for that. So I went there and I graduated with a degree in music business. Mm -hmm. I was one of the lucky people who soon after college got a job in the music industry. Right. I'm sure that's not the easiest thing to do. It's not easy because there's a ton of people going to Nashville wanting to work in the music industry. So I got a job in music publishing. I was super excited. I felt super lucky to even get the job. But about a year and a half into working these full-time nine-to-five office jobs, I just realized that it was not what I actually wanted to do. You know, I didn't feel like I had freedom over how I was spending my time or even the control to advance my career. You know, I didn't feel like I had control over how far I could go, how much money I can make at any point. I just felt like I was wasting away, to put it very simply. So I was kind of like brainstorming, what do I actually want to do with my life? I realized I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to have my own business because I wanted to see return for the hard work that I was putting in. And I had seen business owners before. I grew up with parents who owned a business. And so I knew it was possible to put in a ton of effort and see the return come back to you. But that's not what I was seeing in my job where I was working. Right. 
But was there like a pivotal moment? Because you always were into cookie dough, kind of a chef. But was there a yeah. person or something that happened that really pushed you over the edge to do this? There was a moment when I looked up edible cookie dough. Can you buy it? Can you get it somewhere? And there was like one shop in Illinois from like the 80s that had been around for a long time. And then there was another shop who had opened pretty recently in New York City. Hmm. And that shop in New York City had a video that had actually really recently gone viral. And so you could say that was the moment because once I saw that, I was like, oh, so this is actually a thing. You know, I'm not the only person that eats cookie dough like this. There has to be a ton of other people who would like this as much as I do. But there wasn't anyone in the Midwest or in the Southern United States that was making this kind of cookie dough. I was going to say it was early on enough yeah. in the popularity or the growth of the popularity of no-bake cookie dough that you were mm -hmm. able to jump in and you saw like a regional white space, a regional opportunity as well. Exactly. And I know you were starting to build a website like while you were working that nine to five gig that you weren't <laughs> happy with. So you were already starting that side hustle. Yeah, I had started building the website when I was just on my lunch break at my nine to five. And then I just set a launch date. I was like, this is the date that we're going to launch the website. I spent the two weeks prior dropping off samples of cookie dough to Instagram influencers in Nashville. And I just said, hey, if you like this product, this is the date that we're launching. Please post about it. Tag us on Instagram. Put a swipe up for the website, et cetera. Right. So March 30th of 2017 came around and we launched the website. We had multiple Instagram influencers post and I got a small amount of orders. Yeah. They were not a ton of orders. I don't even know the number to date because I think I've built it up in my head to be something that it wasn't, but <laughs> it was enough encouragement for me with the product and with the company that I just said to myself, okay, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And then I went into my job the next day and quit. <laughs> oh, that must have been a good feeling. And Jimmy, at what point did you jump on? I know you're from Ohio. We want to hear a little bit about your origins as well. Did you guys meet at Belmont University? Yeah, we met at Belmont. I honestly kind of jumped on, I don't know, willingly, probably unwillingly. Uh, <laughs> I became involved just because like, you know, the day Megan quit her job, she called me. She said, hey, I'm going to quit my job. I was like, yeah. great. <laughs> but it also, it wasn't really about her quitting her job. It was about the fact that she didn't know how to ship the orders that she had just got. And neither did I. Right. And you have a business degree, right? You have a business background. Yeah, but I, I didn't really know how to either. So it was really just like group problem solving for a long yeah. time. The way I got more and more involved was we started making cookie dough at a kitchen in Nashville called Citizen's Kitchen. So that was our first commissary kitchen. We were making cookie dough there at night. I was going to my job. Megan was trying to sell cookie dough during the day. And I think it's really important that we were as young as we were because we had enough experiences, which weren't many, to be like completely convinced that this was the thing, that it was going to go really, really well. Right. And that no matter what happens, we knew we could sell enough cookie dough to, I guess, quote unquote, survive. Yeah. <laughs> so you came on board. This was 2017. We're in 21 now. Tell me when the growth really started to show up. And how? We started to grow Instagram followers really quickly based on Megan's strategy. We were reaching out to micro influencers. That's smart. So we were still very regional. 
And I think it's really important that people reach out to like, hey, who's the influencer in your area? Can I ask how you found them? Were you guys really Instagram centric for a long time? I mean, most people in that age bracket are, but also like, I don't know if it's that easy to recognize the right influencers. Megan, you should answer this question. (laughs) Yeah, today it's something I struggle with all the time because I still handle all of our marketing. But Mm -hmm. back at the beginning, at that point, I was just looking for people specifically in Nashville that had high engagement and a lot of followers. And that's the only thing I based it on, but I didn't actually pay any Instagram influencers at that time. So the biggest cost to us was just the cost of our product. And I was just giving them samples and kind of framing it like a we're local and we're new. Will you support us? And that's how it worked out. And that's how it begins. Yeah. Yeah, we were, I guess, lucky to know some people that would be like relevant in like the Nashville area. Well, you need to tap all your Them just being our friends. Yeah, yeah, that helped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and the moment. We're kind of looking for advice for people, right? This show is about what lights you up about the job, but also how you did it and how we can give people some takeaways. So what do you think really made a big difference in terms of growing this? I think the thing that made a huge difference for us in the summer of 2017, and we're trying to still get back to this today because I think it's extremely important if you're trying to grow a brand, was we were getting out there and getting in front of our customers no matter what it took. So the entire pop-up mentality, so like us going to farmer's markets, us going popping up in front of local boutiques, us partnering with our alma mater to pop up, that was us just getting our product in front of as many customers as possible. And the day that it clicks was actually, I believe in April or May of 2017, right after Megan started the company. Mm. We had this pop-up, Megan, you'd have to like remember, it was like Maddie and Tay showed up at our pop-up to buy cookie dough. Yeah, Like other people who were famous showed up and I was like, this is really weird. It was this really big event, like kind of like a farmer's market-like thing Mm -hmm. where we had a line of people buying cookie dough for two and a half hours. And the only reason the line stopped was because there was a thunderstorm. So it was like this crazy moment for us where we were like, obviously people like the product. Mm -hmm. And I think once you know people like the product, and I tell people this all the time today, if you know people like your product, it makes everything a lot less scary. Because if you can convince yourself that it's good, then you should be able to convince other people that it's good. And sure, people don't try food based off of taste because they haven't tasted it yet. But you can do a lot of other things to get them to try it. That's what we're still working on today. But we're convinced that once someone tries our product, that they'll love it. And that itself is like the key for us. So that's really what No Baked is built on. We're a product-centric company. We love Megan's cookie dough and we love sharing with everybody (laughs) else. What are your favorite flavors, by the way? I just need to know that right now. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite is s'mores. Yum. Mine goes back and forth. Our our seasonal flavor is strawberry cheesecake. I really like. Oh, that's a a good summer flavor. Obviously, you've grown beyond traditional just chocolate chip. I mean, in 2020 alone, I read that your e-commerce sales increased by over 1,500%. So let's talk about how you guys pulled that off. Yeah. Prior to COVID, we had put a huge emphasis on our storefronts. Mm -hmm. We were doing the whole scoop shop model, similar to ice cream shops. We had franchised, we had multiple franchise location, multiple corporate locations. There was just this point in time prior to 2020 where something just wasn't clicking. We were like, Mm. the stores are not doing as well as they should. We really couldn't figure it out. But we noticed this trend with our customers in the storefronts where they would come in and they would get cookie dough, but they would always take it to go. 
So we were paying for these huge storefronts with tables and chairs. We were planning events, but there weren't really like customers coming in and sitting. It was always customers getting it to go or customers ordering it through delivery services. So our thought was that maybe we were just not supposed to do the whole like ice cream shop thing because this is like much more shelf stable. You can put it in your fridge. You eat a little at a time. You know, it is the perfect home snack. Totally. So when COVID came, obviously we had to shut down our storefronts for periods of time. And we had a very small e-commerce operation at the time. We weren't shipping a ton of orders, but we did have just the bare bones in place to do so. Okay. And we had a couple of full-time employees who were managing our storefronts in Nashville. Jimmy and I were working in the storefronts at the time to try to make them profitable to say the least. Right. So you were just dealing with the overhead issue for the most part. Yeah, we were we were struggling with the storefronts right before COVID happened. And when it happened, we were kind of like, what are we going to do? You know, this is all that we really have. This is all our staff members who are full-time employees of us have. And I was nine months pregnant at the time. So I was like, I'm about to have a baby. Like, we've got to figure something out. So I decided to just be really honest with our followers on social media. And I told them about our staff members that we were trying to keep employed. I posted pictures of our staff members. I said, look, like, we're just trying to make it over here. We can ship cookie dough to you. I told all of the influencers we had worked with prior, like, this is how we're going to try to survive. So if you like us and feel inclined to support us, please let people know they can order all of our products online. We can ship it to them. Like, this is something we can do. That organic marketing campaign alone got us so much support just from customers we had already acquired previously. It was like the perfect jumpstart into e-commerce. And then Jimmy, if you want to talk about like how digital ads played a huge role, that was big too. Absolutely. And before you get into that too, I just have to say like, that was very smart of you to tap into the mindset and just to be honest and vulnerable with your followers and your client base. I think that was a smart move. So yeah, let's talk about digital marketing. Yeah. Like Megan said, it was the perfect jumpstart into what we did over the next few months. You have to have some traffic for digital ads to work. Yeah. While we've been struggling and like, you know, Megan was pregnant, we were about to have a baby. We didn't really know what to do with Nobik. We knew we needed to pivot. Like as a company, we were like, this isn't going to last forever. You can't just keep grinding away at these scoop shops while they barely break even. Yeah. And we had grown a lot. We went from one shop in the end of 2017 to eight by the beginning of 2020. So we were kind of overextended as like a management team. And also like, we just weren't figuring out what to do. So I started networking a lot. I feel like when you're struggling, and I think this is good advice, you should try to talk to other people and and ask them what they do, you know, or or just try to make friends that are entrepreneurs, because it's a very lonely job. And we're married and get to do it. So it's a lot easier for us. And how did you do that? Did you reach out to people on LinkedIn or was it more just people you knew, friends of friends? It was kind of organic because it was pre-COVID. So it was like, I would ask my friends like, hey, you know anyone who's running a business I should meet or talk to? I met a really great guy in Nashville through all of that who was doing like another consumer brands. And I also met someone who ran digital ads. They were all kind of in the same boat we were at the beginning of COVID. The guy who was running digital ads was like, look, here's the deal. Like you have to spend at least $300 a day. You have to do it now. At the time, this was like 
dude, I have no money. Right. <laughs> so I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> and he was like, if some, at some point, it's just got to take a leap. Faith, they were running an agency, so they knew ad costs were the lowest they have been on Facebook since 2014 at the beginning of COVID. Right. Big companies pulled their budgets. When they did that, demand went down. Facebook is demand driven. So all the pay-per-click ads on Google and then all of the like, you know, pay-per-view basically ads on Facebook are demand driven. If nobody's bidding on them, they're really cheap. That allowed us to just kind of jumpstart everything. And we already had an audience for the ads to target because we had been running an e-commerce site that wasn't that big, but it was something. Yeah. And that kind of allowed us to do things that we didn't think were possible. Like our sales went up for a very long time. It knocked us out of the mindset of we have to raise money to pivot. It knocked us out of the mindset that like we have to wait for us to grow. There were several other times during like the history of like the last four years we've been a company where this has happened, but it showed us one last time that growth isn't always a straight line. Like it's not always like from point A to point Z, no bumps. Usually there's large plateaus. Those are challenging to deal with, but on the flip side, growth happens really quick, Mm -hmm. faster than you think it will. And it will take you off guard and it will be just as hard to deal with as those large plateau periods or you're like even just falling growth. Right. I mean, these are good problems to have, but yeah, you're facing new challenges. Yeah. You've got to grow your team and you know, your mechanism, I guess, to ship nationwide. Yeah. Right? And you also have to not get too overconfident mm-hmm. because then you'll start building for something that doesn't exist. And so that's something that we've learned time and time again. When we first opened the first scoop shop, we had a line out the door and we sold like $10,000 of cookie dough in one day. And then that obviously is not what you do every single day at that shop for the rest of the time. Totally. There's a lot of hype, a lot of hype involved. Yeah, because it's kind of a new thing. I mean, it's been the last five years or so, right? I mean, you were kind of at the beginning of it. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there are dips in interest, right? So how do you keep it fresh? Mm -hmm. That's probably on your mind all the time. Yeah. How do you keep it fresh and how do you get realistic about what it is? Because it's like there definitely is demand there. People love our products. And the company can keep growing. You just have to do it in a way that like, you know, is going to work. Like you can't open that one shop and then be like, we're going to have grand openings every day, all day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. No, that's actually so valid. Megan, you did a TED talk. You talked about facing your fears. I mean, already you guys have given us a lot of good nuggets, but I think in terms of being such a young founder team, what do you think you can help people understand out there who have a great idea? But they're maybe like you were, you know, sitting in a job that feels dead end to them and they're not ready to pull the trigger. So what can you help them understand about getting it off the ground? Yeah. My one piece of advice is always, it sounds super simple, but just do it. There are fears that you're going to have. I had a ton of fears. I had just invested a lot of my time into getting experience in the music industry. I had gone to college for it. And I was about to leave it all behind knowing that I could not go back to it and that my business wouldn't work out. But at the end of the day, I was completely focused on my own happiness and also eliminating those preconceived notions of what you're supposed to do in life. Yes. A lot of people are told you have to go to college, you have to get a job, you have to work that job until you can get a mortgage, until you can get married. And then you save for retirement and that's the end of your life. Or like climb the ladder at that particular company or in that industry when climb the ladder. you might be looking around saying, yeah. this isn't even right for me. Yeah. Right. It's like a lot of people feel pressured to follow that path because it's what they're told is right. 
for a lot of people, I think it is the right path and they're perfectly happy doing that. But if you're one of those people who's sitting there saying, I really want to be doing this other thing. I want to start this business. I know I could do it, but there's a huge fear of leaving everything else behind or even what people will think of you. I was terrified of what people would think if I left the music industry. There's a lot of fears that go into it, but at the end of the day, you have to be selfish. You have to think of yourself. You have to think of what's going to make you happy. And then you just have to do it and you have to forget everything else and you have to put a hundred percent into it until you make it successful. And there are failures along the way. You will fail. You will have to start over on some fronts, but you can always get back up. You know, there's no rule that says if you get knocked down, you can't get back up. That's just not how life works. You can get back up every single time and you can keep pushing on. And I think as long as you can turn your mindset into that, then you'll be successful at whatever you're trying to do. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't. What about you, Jimmy? What about your takeaways? My takeaway is, is like Megan said, just do it. I really enjoyed doing it from a place of ignorance. Hmm. A lot more people <laughs> should stop overthinking it. Yeah. The more you overthink it, the more you're going to give yourself reasons you don't want to do it. Because mm-hmm. as most normal people really enjoy comfort. You really enjoy like predictability. Like those are not things that go along with entrepreneurship. <laughs> at all yeah no that's so true and there's also like analysis paralysis if you over overthink when are you going to execute on anything yeah you won't (laughs) so what's next give me some exciting projects on the horizon for no baked cookie dough we have a lot of exciting things on my front i am working on some very exciting product development so things that are different than the cookie dough itself Ah. So more snackable items that are just so good that I think people will love them maybe even more than some people love our cookie dough. So that's what I've been working on. I can sense that you're not giving us too much information. (laughs) You're leaving us in suspense a little bit, which is good. Yeah, I want to leave a little bit of suspense, (laughs) but once it comes out, I will send you all of the samples. Very cool. Hopefully those products that I'm speaking of will be out this year. So not, not too long to wait. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, what is the best way for listeners to follow you guys on social media if they're not already? All of our social media handles are at no baked. Okay. Super simple. And then our website is no baked cookie dough.com. Perfect. Yeah. And then another update that just would be awesome yeah. to let everyone know about is we're going to be launching on Grubhub, DoorDash and Uber Eats and most major cities over the next six months. Oh, that's key. Yes. So that's a really cool partnership that we were able to create. And I think it's going to really pay dividends to just get brand awareness out there. Oh, that's huge. So congratulations on that. Guys, it's been so fun to learn about your story and your product. I really appreciate how genuine you are about what it took to get here. And I know you're going to crush it with everything that you do. So thank you. Thanks for being on Bucketless Careers. Thank you so much for having us. Don't forget to share the episode if it really spoke to you with family and friends. I'd appreciate that. And if you're not already following me on social, it's at Bucketless Careers on Instagram or Facebook. Of course, if you know anyone who's made a change, pivot within the industry, or done a total 180 that's brought him or her closer to professional purpose, I definitely want to hear from you. So email me, Krista at Bucketless Careers Podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Be well.
an ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.